to The Sizzle on Iron Skillet Radio and Iron Skillet Television. Jay Sizzle, guess what? What's that, bro? It's MLK Day. It is the day of MLK. Martin Luther King full-blown holiday here in these United States. A man who left an indelible mark on our country. And uh, I'm just surprised, even though we have a national holiday, a lot of people still are not celebrating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not even that they're not celebrating. A lot of people don't still recognize it as a holiday. I know some of the young people think it's just the day you get off from school. And it's the day at the beginning of January. It's your recovery day from a long weekend. <laughs> this is this is your official recovery day from the New Year's because you really haven't recovered yet. You're still out. Uh, you, you still got the last little mm-hmm. remnants of the Cavassier <laughs> in their system. So they just finally get to purge it out now. This is the last day to do it. Yeah, this is that last one. You got a long haul between here and what? Easter? Yeah. That resurrection well, you, time. That's if a you, long if time. You have not, if you have not purged whatever you got out of your system by Easter, uh, you need to get resurrected. You, <laughs> that's some darkness on your soul, lady. <laughs> whatever was going on. You need to yeah. come on down to the church house. We need to bless you. We uh, need to come on up to the altar. Need to every, do something, every, man. Every Sunday and Wednesday, come on down. Mm-hmm. So I'm just thinking as, as we started, because we're old enough to remember when... Mm-hmm. Dr. King Day was not a holiday. Uh, When there was a fight for it, you remember seeing the struggle that it was, not only in Congress, but in Mm -hmm. state legislatures for this to happen. Yeah. So you remember your first, when it was an official holiday, you remember around that time, what was going on in your mind? Um, It was just a lot of um, pride. And it was like, finally, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Martin Luther King is, has been a revered person in the history of the United States, in our, in our very recent short-term history. But he's also been a person that's been very polarizing. Because of Martin Luther King, you had the remnants, not the remnants, but the resurgence of the Muslim doctrine in the United States. You had... Um, uh, you had Malcolm X, you had uh, Wallace Muhammad, you had those people <clears throat> who were in the backgrounds of the Black American fight, but they weren't really in the forefront. And once you had Martin Luther King who came in uh, with his nonviolent um, dogma, basically, you saw more people in the United States get involved, especially more white people get involved into the struggle. And I think that's where you saw it make the turn from being just a sidebar to it becoming something right on the main dinner plate of the United States and something that had to be dealt with. That was race relations and equality in America. And I think that's one thing, the legacy of Martin Luther King was that he was able to bring this to the forefront um, I don't know if we would be in the position that we are in today had not Martin Luther King took the nonviolent approach. You know, it's amazing. I was watching a uh, special on Marilyn Monroe, and it's very interesting. You don't really, I was saying Marilyn Monroe was funny. She reminded me of a, 
attractive version of Lucille Ball. And to the point is that she was funny. People never knew how funny she was. You didn't look uh -huh. at the comedic side of Marilyn Monroe that really opened the door for other venues for her to get more exposure. In fact, she was doing things that the Kardashians use now, using the media to really promote herself. Right. And during a commercial break, there's a little slot for a program that's coming out during Black History Month where they're going to do a focus on Lyndon Baines Johnson. So it's an LBJ, mm -hmm. but the whole thing is centrally tied around after President Kennedy's assassination, how Dr. King and the SEL movement and all of those things, the nonviolent movements, all of the, the work that was done by civil rights from the NAACP and from other groups, how it helped LBJ to navigate through his administration and how Dr. King played an integral role, how he had conversations with Dr. King literally on a weekly, if not daily basis, as to how they were going to strategize and put together groups from around the country to try and work together. And it speaks to how impactful Dr. King was. I mean, we just see it as someone, a person who marched and gave eloquent speeches, but you didn't realize the political impact that Dr. King had as he made moves, because we're thinking what, Malcolm X was assassinated in 63, and then Dr. King uh, was assassinated in 68, if I'm correct. So between that time, Dr. King was really the face of the civil rights movement. I mean, there were others around, but he was the true, he was the, the provocateur of civil justice? Well, he he was he was the oatmeal breakfast mm. version mm -hmm. that could be easily digested by America. Mm -hmm. Um, you look at the you had the, the movement of the Black Panther Party, or like I said, you had the uh the black Muslim movement mm -hmm. here in the United States, and that one was too spicy, mm -hmm. even though the cause was correct about fighting for equality in the manner that they were doing it, but it was not um, digestible for mainstream America. This is the reason why Dr. King was so important because he was like, well, okay, um, the only reason why you can't eat oatmeal for breakfast is just because you don't like oatmeal. Mm -hmm. But if it's any other reason than that, you can digest this oatmeal. And that's, that's what he was getting. That's the reason why I believe he got access to the White House. Mm -hmm. um, that's why you didn't see Huey Newton uh, in the White House. That's why you didn't see mm -hmm. um, the uh, Nation of Islam in, in the White House because of them being perceived as being radical, too, too far, too, too pro-Black. Um, Dr. King was like, hey, in the Bill of Rights, it says here, that I'm born into the United States as a citizen, I have inalienable rights um, that I can pursue a, a life of liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Here, the, these are the things that I should have. And so one of the things I'm not getting right now is liberty. And so he was able to appeal to those people out here and say, you know what, that's wrong. And then the other side too, he was the one person who was able to use, just like you said with Marilyn Monroe, he was able to use TV um, which was that medium back there. You only had a few channels. And so 
when they were going across the Edmund Pettus Bridge and you saw um, them being attacked, you saw the dogs come out, you saw the water hoses come out. For a lot of Americans who are not part of the Black culture, they didn't even know that was going on. And so all of a sudden now it was in their living rooms as they're sitting there eating their dinner and they were going, oh my God, that's just not right. It's the same way you look at now where you, you know, people find out they watch world news tonight and they find out that there is a problem over in Haiti. Um, you know, there's a there's an earthquake over there. All of a sudden everybody gets ramped up over here. They really didn't even know where Haiti was, but they want to start sending some money or do why? Because it's in their living room. And they feel like, oh, there's something that's got to be done. And so I believe that's what Martin Luther King was able to do was make the civil rights situation for, um, I don't know what you, you know what you want to call the Negro back then in the United States, uh, make it palatable for those people out here to really just care. Right. Well, you know, you look at all, because I always, uh, we talk about it in, in general terms, and we talk about colorization as it came in 1600s, to 1800s. So we're always stuck in this white and black divide, but just let, we can go with melanated, non-melanated and say that there was a time when rights for young people who don't understand, there, were, there was not a bevy of rights that you had. And Dr. King became a national enemy and the way that it was used the same way in media to attack him was through his stance on the Vietnam War, his stance on mm. going to war and all of those things, uh, having soldiers in Korea, having them in Vietnam, these were all issues. They were major issues that were taboo to be talked about at the time. As long as you were still doing the civil rights thing, you were cool. We're just, we we're going to slow roll this whole civil rights and processes thing. But when he started saying, hey, you know what? Now war isn't good. War is not right, and maybe we shouldn't be over there bothering people who aren't bothering us. Then it became a big issue. Then Dr. King was a subversive. He hated America. He wasn't a patriot. See, all these buzzwords come back in terms. It's funny how things have not changed in, what, 60? Let's go from 1960 to now. So you're talking about another 60 years, how some of the same things were in play. The use of media, propaganda, being able to choose sides, who was going to do this and who was going to do that. It's amazing that it all kind of culminates in what happened between 1960 and probably 1970. Probably, well, you know, to me, the most impactful time in American history. Well, you know, the status quo was the status quo for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have been a subculture in the United States for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. um, we look at, you know, you had slave ships coming from uh, Africa to the colonies for nearly 200 years. I mean, you have slave ships coming across during that period of time. And so mm -hmm. part of the history of the Negro in the United States was part of the culture from the founding fathers of the United States. Mm. So we had all, we had been a subculture for a long time. I mean, even to the point where you had some people who, and I say Negro, because that's what it was called back there. I don't, whatever you want to call yourself, Black, African-American, it don't really matter. Whatever, it's what they think of you. And most of all, it's what you think of yourself. But so 
the subculture that was the American Negro was already embedded in the people's history, you know, from their grandmother to their great grandmother to their great great grandmother. So you had this subculture, and all of a sudden, in a 15 year span almost, uh, less than two decades, came from having to go to separate bathrooms, figure out of separate water fountains, come, coming through the back door of restaurants to pick up food, to all of a sudden being able to sit at the counter at Woolworths and to be able to order a meal alongside a, you know, their white counterparts. And so that was a huge movement in that 20 year span. You're talking from, from 1960s, 1955 to 1975. I mean, that was a huge movement that went on right there. You saw people being assassinated, JFK, you saw uh, uh, Martin Luther King being assassinated. You saw Bobby Kennedy being assassinated. You saw um, people from the Black Panther Party being assassinated. It was Bobby Seals. Was it Bobby Seals? No. I think it was um, Bobby Seals was arrested. Um, uh, you're talking about Minister Fred Hammond. I mean, yeah, Fred, Fred Hammond. Hammond. Fred Hampton. So, Fred Hampton. So you saw Fred Hampton being assassinated. Mm -hmm. And so you saw all these people because you saw power trying to be wrested back. Mm -hmm. uh, be it, trying to be put back into what it was for those hundred years beforehand. We still see that going on today. Uh, one thing I was reading earlier about what would Dr. King say if he was here today? Mm -hmm. And I think he would be amazed by, he would be 93, so he would be the same age as my mom. Mm -hmm. So um, what would he say about today? Well, I think he would be amazed at the progress that has been made, mm -hmm. but I also think he would be dismayed at the, you know, inappropriateness, and that's the only word I could think of right now, I know it doesn't fit, of the education system for African-Americans in urban areas, mm -hmm. that how they're just not being set up for to have a successful uh, life in the United States because they're not getting your basic education to be able to compete in the workforce. Uh, if you look at our public schools in urban areas, especially um, predominantly Black areas, and if you look at those schools, the way they function, and then if you go into other uh, areas um, that are not black and they're public schools and you see how their schools are ran, you, you can see a decided difference all around the country, um, which I think is systematic to tell you the truth because you see it everywhere. So I yeah. think he would be um, amazed and dismayed all at the same time, all the progress we made, especially with Barack Obama and senators and, law and um, judges and congressmen that we have, but we also see that we are way behind the curve as it comes nationally about making a indelible mark and changing the United States. Yeah, when you talk about the mark that's being made, one of those things that we look at is when you had open judge seats and chairs around the country that were not filled, and you still look at a Supreme Court where there's not a mixture of diversity. You have one African-American on the court, and that's about it. That's as far as it goes. And I think dismayed is a good word that Dr. King would be when you look at the inadequacies, but you still see, as you said, it's that systematic difference between the qualities of finance in these communities. You go into any urban community, be they African-American, be they Hispanic, even be they cultural, if they're... Asian or, or Pan or uh, Pacific Islanders, you still see that inadequacy from their schools to their non, 
melanated counterparts, any of the white schools that you see where you have a greater tax base, you have more of infusion of programs for them to succeed. You don't see those type of things. You don't see the effort and the force for education in urban areas, especially in melanated areas where you know that you need the education to move forward, but you don't have the financial backing, which we see in our area all the time within Northwest Indiana, Northwest Illinois. You always see that in the Chicago land in Northwest Indiana region. The diversity is not <clears throat> where it, it's, it's a diversity of preference for education, it's a diversity and preference toward racial divides where you have communities. Chicago is what is always said to be a city of little communities put together. You know, there's always little areas, little pockets that make one big city. But in those little pockets and in those little areas, you have, you have a, <laughs> a market divide between haves and have-nots in some of those areas. In fact, remembering when Dr. King came to Illinois, even in his writings, he said, Illinois, when he came to the Chicagoland area, was the most racist place most he had ever racist, been. segregated place he had ever been was the city of Chicago. But, mm -hmm. And it's still that way today. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have parts of Chicago the dividing line, you've got black people across the street over there and you've got white people across the street over there or you've got Hispanic people over there and they do not cross that line. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got, you got very few communities that are integrated and, on reason, and a lot of time they're around educational areas like the DePaul area, like um, University of Chicago, um, places like that. But when you start getting where those major universities are not there, you start seeing that we give stay very segregated again. Uh, but again, going back to your point about the judges, um, you got to remember both of these parties, whether you're Republican, Democrat, or Independent, none of them are really geared toward the advancement of Black people in the United States. Um, what they really look for is how can we get the Black vote? And so there's certain causes that, that need to be addressed so that they can gin up people to come out and vote and that's what you start seeing around the big elections however though you don't see that the biggest elections that we're not part of because we don't know to be part of them are those elections for judges you very seldom do you people come down in there and they vote a straight democrat ticket or they vote a straight republican ticket and you have no idea what those judges how they rule you have no idea what's going on and we don't really have a, any type of mechanism in place so that you can get judges who would be more pro um, raising a people who have been um, suppressed in this country to make things better for them. Because it's those rulings on these big cases, especially um, uh, cases that you're dealing with uh, environmental issues. Um, things like that, those rulings, like you saw what was going on in the Detroit suburbs with the water. Um, you saw so many things happening in these communities that it should not be happening in. And it's those big rulings by those judges that makes a big difference about are, will those big major companies care about dumping or building on a contaminated waste site? Because a lot of times what they'll do, they'll put money aside. They know they're going to make X amount of money over here. We're going to get sued. 
So we're already figuring that, you know, we put money in the coffers over here. It's only going to cost us, uh, it's going to cost us $1 to make 10. I'll take that all day long. So sue us, but we're good to go. We don't really care about your lawsuits. And if that's the case, we have enough lawyers that we can wait you out. It doesn't really matter. You know, so um, that's the one thing about our, our the judgeships. That's a big problem. And we don't have a mechanism in our communities to know which judge would be best for us. And that is the most important thing, I think, in our voting um, that we need to get better at is finding out what are these judges doing and how can we um, affect that? Because you'll start seeing things change a little bit more. Uh, but also, and another point I want to make right quick, too, you can tell um, what they think about the community, the uh, African-American community, by the commercials that are on your television programs. If you look up, you know, the one, if you look through uh, black television shows that come out, the comedies they put out, the mind-numbing things that they put out. I mean, Blackish came out, which was, uh, I didn't like it at first, but when it did start going, um, they did hit some really good um, episodes in there about the black community. But if you start looking at who are the advertisers on these shows, and a lot of times you see it, it's fast food, uh, restaurants, it's um, clothing, it's all consumer-based product. But you don't see E-Trade um, putting a commercial out. You don't see Ameritrade putting a commercial out on Blackish. You don't see Webull putting out, uh, you don't see cryptocurrencies advertising on here because the only reason why they don't advertise on there because they don't believe those people are going to use their services. I remember one time I was listening to Urban Radio and I want to say it was Western Union and a commercial came on, a black radio station that said, if you need to put some money on the, your books for, for, for your person in prison, you can use us to do that. It was something like that. And I was, and my mouth just fell open. You're not going to, you're not going to hear that on the, uh, the, the uh, top 40 easy listening uh, rock stations. You're not, and I, I'm sure, and they have as many people in jail in that community. You don't understand, but this is what they think about your community when they advertise like that, because they don't think, they say, okay, you're going to buy over here. You're not going to go trade stocks. You're not going to go uh, do a number of other things like that that the rest of America is doing. But you will go to McDonald's. You will go eat fried chicken. You will um, go to Spotify. You know, and so you're just saying you're just a consumer-based um, entity and not something that's going to move the uh, needle um, politically unless we want you to move the needle. And then when that comes up, then we'll bring up a case or something like that, get everybody upset and get you out of voting again. So um, you still, a lot has changed in the United States, but a lot hasn't changed still. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. I have a quick story. There was a young man I pulled up to White Castle um, and it was right around election time. So... <clears throat> It must have been primary time. It wasn't general. I think it was. No, maybe it was general. Um, and uh, he had, I had my sticker on and something. And I asked him, I said, did you vote, young brother? And he said, oh, no, bro. You know, I don't vote in them things like that. I don't get involved in that. You know, I ain't worried about, because they don't listen to my voice anyway. I said, well, young brother, do you understand? I said, let me ask you this real quick. Have you been to jail? 
Have you been to county? Have you been locked up? Have your people been locked up? He's like, yeah, man. I said, mm-hmm. I said, do you know the judge that locked you up? No. I said, do you know that judge's perspective? Do you know what they think about your community? Do they have any plan for your community? I said, see, when you're looking at voting now, you're looking at not just what you don't make the decision nationally, but locally, you make all the decisions that who's in your community, who's best serving your community. These are the things you help to decide. And I think when we look at Dr. King Day, we have to look at the community as a whole. What was his perspective? What was, if you haven't read one of Dr. King's books, you're doing yourself a disservice. And one of my favorite Dr. King's is Chaos or Community, Where Do We Go From Here? Now it's probably, it's about 300 pages. It's not long, but it was the first book I really had to take a dictionary and have my dictionary on one side and read it. And that was before the Google machine, as Jay <laughs> loves to call it. I, it was so impactful and it was so in depth that you really had to get the mind of Dr. King was so great that you really had to get involved in, in finding out his lexicon and finding out what was in his, his word base to get a full understanding. But everything he talked about in that book is still manifesting itself 60 years later and the problems and the difficulties we're having. And as you said, Jay, when you don't understand your voting power, when you don't understand where you stand in your community or how your community stands, then there's a problem. And this is one of the things that while we're looking at Dr. King Day as a nice holiday to relax, it's also a day of reflection. This was also that time when I remember when I was younger, you always went to an ecumenical uh, uh, lecture or speech or something at church. There was always a program with a speaker who came in and talked about the legacy of Dr. King. But this was a moment to reflect. And this truly now, as we move forward, this is truly the time to get our young people, to get our community to understand in reflection, just as you said, one of the biggest things, who supports your community and what supports your community? If you're tired of liquor stores and churches being the only thing in your community, who else then reaches out to your community? If you're not getting the commercials where you're, they're talking about stocks and bonds, or we're talking about investment, but you're talking about fried chicken, and you're talking about soda, and you're talking about chips, and you're talking about things that are not for your benefit, this is the time now to start. And I think this is the ground is ripe right now. We're talking about the filibuster. You're talking about how this impacts not just your local government, and how this is going to impact communities nationwide. So to me, Dr. King Day is the day that you sit back, reflect, and learn more about your community. Yeah, and definitely that, Greg. And what you said was uh, the most important thing is the time for reflection, but it's also a time for action too. Mm -hmm. And every day should be Dr. King Day. You know, not just today, but tomorrow and, and every other day, if you see things that need to be done because our life here is very short. It tells us in the Bible that it's just about a vapor. We're going to look up one day and we're going to be gone. I know I look at myself here. I got another birthday spinning around the corner here in a minute or two. Mm -hmm. And uh, it looks, it, it, I just remember last year I was running stadium stairs and, and doing all those type of things. And now I look up a, a flight of stairs. I go, oh, all right, here we go. 
You know, so the thing is, time time waits for no one. And uh, if you're going to make some type of mark out here, um, start making it because time is going by quickly. And if you want your um, situation to be word I'm looking for, if you want your your current situation to be passed down to your grandchildren or to your children, or do you want their situation to be better? If you want mm. their situation to be better, then you need to do better now. Hmm. So do we, we need to start making some of you love your grandchildren, your kids, you need to start doing something now. And um, also just wanted to say on Martin Luther King Day, I appreciate all those people who were not black who got involved in the struggle of black people, of the Negro in the United States. Because had it not been for you, we would still be bound and still be in chains. And um, for those people out there who had a heart, which is most of America, um, who said, you know, this is wrong and we as Americans shouldn't be living like this. And people went out and supported um, you saw the Black Lives Matter movement. You saw a lot of people who weren't Black in the Black Lives Matter movement out there supporting that movement. You saw a lot of people giving money. I was watching the thing today right after uh, Dr. King got assassinated. They had a, a roundtable. And I say, I want to say it was um, uh, Ralph Abernathy, some other people like that. But Charlton Heston was on that, on that roundtable. Mm -hmm. This was back in the 60s. You know, this was back when they did, you know, there was integration and all this type of thing. Oh, this when situations were rough back in, in 68 or so. And they're just, and they were coming together in a round table, um, standing up for what was right. So I just want to appreciate anybody, no matter what color you are. Um, and color is, is something here we divide. And I'll, you know, I'll say this one thing too. It says white people didn't exist before I want to say the 1960s. There was a time where they were Italians and they were Polish and they were Irish Americans and you had your communities were um, segregated out like that. The Polish people lived here and the Irish lived here and, and, and so forth and so on. But you saw an attempt to suppress the Negro back then, the African-American, the Black back then because now they lumped all those people instead of having their identity being ethnic they created an identity for you and that was white you know because you had always identified with being polish or irish or things like that so i just you look at that situation they were saying okay well you have you you, you can't call yourself a nigerian american you can't call yourself a uh an american from other from other different countries over there because we don't know where we came from. Most of uh most of our all of our history started 400 years ago. Most of us can only go back, you know, two or three generations into our history and that's it. We don't have any history to Africa. We don't know what part of Africa we came from. We have most um black Americans don't have any African cultural um uh traditions that are handed down to you in your uh, family, none. We don't there. We don't speak a lick of what language we spoke over there. Mm -hmm. Nothing like that. So, but if you look at um, people who got who came here on their own from other countries, they still have Irish traditions that they have. They still have the the Irish parade. 
You still have um, Polish people. They still had a pierogi fest. You mm -hmm. still have all these different types of things because you can go back to your heritage and and because you know where you came from. For African-Americans, Black people, whatever you want to call it, it really don't matter to me, is that we are the only real Americans here because our history started here. My history started here when whatever ancestor of mine who was strong enough to make that voyage over here, who didn't die, who wasn't thrown over to the sharks, who lived through um, uh, beatings, who lived through um, being put in huts, who lived generation after generation after generation. My ancestors were strong enough to make it through. Ancestors were strong enough. And then three, and then um, three generations ago, four generations ago, A.E. McDowell, who was my great grandmother, was born into slavery. And she is the only, she is my only legacy that I have. I can't go anywhere further past her. And I remember seeing her. So I said, thank you to all of my ancestors who made it through. Because had any one of them not made it, I wouldn't be here today. And so, um, and I think that's the legacy of Martin Luther King that we have to think about it. If you're black and you're here, your ancestors did a hell of a thing to make it through that. Um, and so that's the thing. And we owe them to make the situation for the next generations who come underneath us, that we make their lives here in these United States better. Because regardless of what anybody wants to say, United States is still the greatest country in the world. You have a lot of people out here who will say, oh, no, this, that, and other. Yeah, go live somewhere else and come back and tell me. You know, go go, go live, go over uh, in Arab states and go live over there and come back and tell me how. Go live in Africa and, come, and then you come back over here and tell me because you haven't lived over there. I know people who lived over here. That's why you see people from Africa migrating to get into the United States. Even as bad as we are, come over here in droves. Why? Because opportunities here. So love your country but also love yourself while you're in this country. And, um, you know, it's Martin Luther King Day. It's, it's a, you know, he had a dream and we're part of his dream. So it's a, it's a good day, as you say, to reflect. Well, you know who it is. You know what it is. It is the sizzle here on Iron Skillet Radio and Iron Skillet Television. And before we get out of here, I'd like to send some condolences to some families. I, it's so many passings to tap in, but... Before recording, I found out that Les Gropstein of The Score passed this weekend. Oh. And so we want to send condolences and our love to his family and to his friends. And, you know, it's just one of those things, as we talked about remembrance, this is also a time to communicate with family and loved ones. If you have someone you haven't spoken with, you're off today. Give them a call. Tell them, hey, how you doing? Absolutely. It's Dr. Absolutely. King Day. I want to make things right with you. Let's go get a burger together. Do something. Be loving. Give, give out your flowers while they're alive. You know right. what I'm saying? Let's not wait. Let's not all wait to go a big long line when they open up the mic at the at the funeral. So we can give them and say, you know, I wish I would have told them how much I really care. Mm -hmm. Call so, them today. Call you them right now. <laughs> call them right now. You know who it is. You know what it is. It's the sizzle here on Iron Skillet Radio, Iron Skillet Television. And we'll see you, my friend, on the other side. Thank you for listening to The Sizzle, the hottest sports talk in the 219, here on Iron Skillet Television and Iron Skillet Radio.